Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. And Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, and it's chuffing warm. Yes, just a little. What, deg- what degrees is it outside? It's got to be at least 30. Too many degrees, it? that's what it is. We're not 30, even going to survive. 20, tw- no, it's much more than 20. 30? Yeah, let's go for 30. Uh, I don't think it's quite 30. I'd say maybe mid, mid to late 20s. Silly feels like much. 30 then. Oh, my room will feel like 40 once once it gets to it. So I'm not looking forward to Monday or Tuesday. It's going to be tall. Right, shall we move on to the news? Yep, let's do it. Yes, shall we? Shall we kick off with some God of War news? Yeah. Yeah, why not? So finally, we got a announcement of the release date and the collector's editions that were shown off. Mm. God of War Ragnarok. So it's set to release on the 9th of November this year so if the people who moaned about it last time if you just had a bit of patience you would have had this news but there we go so yeah 9th of november and then they showed off two collector's editions well they had the collector's edition and the yotnar edition yeah so what was in these i know one of them had a hammer they both have a hammer they both have a hammer. Yeah, I'll go through it. So basically, the the collector's edition has uh, well, so they they're in the shape. The boxes are in the shape of the Knowledge Keeper Shrine, which is what you saw from the first God of War game. Yeah. And inside them, so you can find uh, obviously the game, but it's no physical disc, <gasps> which mm. I find infuriating. If I buy a physical collector's edition or something. I damn sure want to make sure there's a physical disc in it. I don't like this. Oh, you've got a code. Oh, why is yeah? Why is it not coming with a disc? You get a steel. You get the steel book, but no disc. Oh yeah, that that's great to show on the shelf, but there's no game in yeah, there. Exactly. It's just how strange. Dodgy. Uh, you get two-inch veneer twin carvings. So uh, apparently these are in the same style as Atreus's wooden toy carvings of the Holdry Brothers from the first God of War game. Uh, then you get the Dwarven Dice Set. So this is a set of dice with a quality wood-like finish in a dice bag with the symbol of Yukjusil, I want to say. I don't know if that's right. Mm. Uh, on the outside. And then you get the six-inch Mjolnir replica. So this is Thor's hammer. Yeah, that's what we want. Yeah. And that's at a cost of 180 quid. But there... Oh, there's a bunch of digital stuff as well. But like, There's like some, a couple of armor sets for... Uh, Kratos and this boy. Uh, but then you got the Jot, I keep wanting to say Jotna, but it's not, it's Jotna edition. Mm. So you get everything that's in the collector's edition, but you also get a seven inch final record, uh, with music by Bear McCreary. Mm. Uh, you get an alternative die set, so you don't get the same die set as in the other one. But you get, in this one, you get Brock's die set. So this, uh, this comes in the metallic silver finish with blue detailing. Uh, you get a pin set of a falcon, bear, and a wolf, and they're supposed to represent Faye, Kratos, and Atreus. Uh, the drop no ring, so this is like an, uh, apparently a ring from Norse mythology. Uh, then you get the Yggdrasil cloth map, so that shows each of the nine, nine realms with all the branches and the roots of Yggdrasil. Uh, yeah, and as I say, the same things that were in the collector's edition, and that's £220. But, 
these preset these pre-orders went on sale a couple of days ago and what do you know they were the targets of scalpers yet again so apparently they all disappeared in under a minute because they were being sold on game i think here yeah wow and they're being listed on resale sites at nearly three times the price because of course they are so <sighs> we're not getting them boys well not unless we want to spend 600 quid it ain't or but they do look good. I watched an unboxing video. Hmm. The, um, the guy who plays uh, Thor, one of the art directors, do look really cool. cool. But we ain't getting our hands on them, so... Meh. Unlucky. Yeah. I'll just wait 20 years and pick it up in the charity shop for £4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably would, knowing you. <laughs> the hammer does look good, though. It does, it, it does, does look like really a proper cool. waiter. Yeah. Shame about no physical game. That's the only thing I would say against it. Yeah, I just... I, I don't like this thing that ha- that's happening. Now. It's, it happens quite a lot now, doesn't it? It's like you don't get a... Did they do it with um, Horizon Zero Dawn? I think there was a code for their collector's thing as well. Yeah, they did something mm-hmm. similar for Sonic Mania a few years ago, where you just got a digital download code in there. But you got a lot of nice collector stuff there. But what's, Oh, yeah, what's, I know. What's the oh, point? yeah, you got it, didn't you, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I got the uh, the Xbox one. Um, to be fair, though, at the time, I think Sonic Mania didn't have a physical release either. That was coming like later in the year, so I don't think they'd made any CDs for that one but in particular. But I, I didn't know that that started to be in a, a trend because I, yeah. I got the the Marvel Spider-Man one that came with the game disc. What I don't understand is why would you have a steelbook and no disc? No disc, yeah. Well, it's to get that mo- more money out of you if you just go and buy the disc to put in the steelbook. But then you, you, the actual game you bought is going to be an empty disc. Because <laughs> you'll have taken it out to put it in the steelbook. It's all very wrong. I don't, I don't know. People didn't think about the planet when they uh, thought about this one. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing away the plastic casing. Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's the God of War stuff. One thing I did want to mention, though. Um, about the trailer. It was only 30 seconds long with like a few oh, yeah. battle scenes and things, but mm. Atreus is not a boy anymore. He's got that man voice going on. I don't like oh, it. Did you not notice that the first time? No. I'm sure I mentioned I, this. I only noticed it now. It's, really? It sounds very different. Can't call yeah. him boy anymore. No. He's, well, if they're still using teenage. the same actor, he's, he's yeah, kind of teenage. grown. You know. <laughs> I, don't know if it, I don't know if it is the same actor. I'll find out and See, it does sound very different, though. Is it very different? Okay. Maybe not. It did put me about. Teen angst, Atreus. What are you about? Yeah. Fair enough. Shall we move on to, uh, to, to one of Mark's best mates? One uh, of my best mates? Go yeah, on. One, of your, one of your besties, Mr. Mr. Tony Hawk. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he's, he recently came out uh, and he announced plans to build... The biggest skate park in the metaverse in a partnership with Virtual World, the Sandbox and NFT platform Autograph. Uh, it's going to be called Tony Hawkland. Original. <laughs> it's going to be a new space in the Sandbox, which builds itself as part virtual real estate, part amusement park. Uh, built on the Ethereum blockchain. I'm sure Nathan knows a lot more about that than both of us. Let's uh, <laughs> uses exchange cryptocurrency for access to virtual parts of land and monetize voxel access by trading in-game items as NTFs. 
Uh, and basically, it'll be all be based. The NCFs are all based on basically Tony Oak and skateboarding equipment, apparel, and that kind of stuff. He did come out his talk with a with a short sentence, basically saying, "I have been a fan of new technology all of my life, from the first video games and home computers with CGI capabilities. So I'm fascinated by the metaverse and excited to bring our culture into the virtual landscape of the sandbox." Think you'll uh, you'll find again to uh, NFTs, Mark? With this, oh, this I want to stick my fingers in my eyes. I hate <laughs> this whole concept. <laughs> No, oh. sorry, please don't. So, oh, so don't we got this. <laughs> we got this instead of uh, Pro Skater Three and Four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is what Tony's working on, working yep. with instead. Good, good trade, I think. I thought you'd have been um, purchasing an Oculus straight away, Mark, straight on it. I'm not touching this with a barge bomb. <laughs> Living next door to Tony Hawk in his virtual skate land. Why? Oh. No. <laughs> Fool and his money is easy they parted. So there we go. <laughs> yes, well. From one skateboarding uh, icon to another skateboarding game. Uh, <laughs> oh, this as well. <laughs> uh, so we've got uh, quite a bit of news over the new skate game, um, which originally we thought was going to be Skate 4, um, but is now just going to be called Skate. And is also going free to play. So some news that came out saying that it will be released on PlayStation, Xbox and PC. It will support cross-play and cross-progression. No news on whether it was actually going to be out for current gen and last gen or maybe perhaps just current gen. To uh, fair, it depends where where the monetization comes into this. If it's about yeah, yeah. and cosmetics and things like that, might be able to live with that. Because in the end, yeah. that's probably not what I really care about. It's more about as long as the game is just good, physics-wise. Enjoyable yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I can play with other people as well. As part of explaining uh, the free-to-play approach to Skate, the team were quick to claim uh, the game won't feature uh, play-to-win mechanics. Any map, I can say it properly, uh, areas locked behind paywalls. Okay, um, that's a good start. I mean, I'll wait to believe it when it, <laughs> when it launches, but... Uh, yeah, they also conclude that uh, paid loot boxes also won't feature as part okay. of the game, and any, mantra- uh, any microtransactions will be primarily. I can't Are say you drunk? words. Yeah, Microtransactions. any microtransactions will be primarily cosmetic in nature. Okay. So um, the game will also take place in a new city that's known as San Vanstudam. San Vanstadam. Yep. Uh, which is the same used universe as skates San Vanilona. What are they doing? What? I don't know. They seem to oh, be mesh- meshing like San Francisco and Amsterdam. And then you've also got the same with like Barcelona. Were <laughs> they smoking something know. in Amsterdam when they came up with them names? Maybe. I don't, I don't know where the team's actually based. Um... It would be funny if they were actually like based in Amsterdam. <laughs> um, but they are currently holding a playtest for the game because there were there were quite a few leaks that started coming out on like little early playtests of the game, like what they were doing. Um, they were just like basic um, physics mechanics and kind of little um, object interaction with with the skateboard and stuff that came out. Mm. So um, could be good. I mean, I'm. I'm still optimistic about it because I think Skate 3 
for me personally, is the best skateboarding game. I'll pretend Ooh. I didn't hear that, but carry on. Yep, I'm sure you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> realistically, okay, physics-wise... Okay, I'll give you that. It's more arcade Yeah. There's, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've probably enjoyed more on a Tony Hawk, but if I'm saying like if I was to take objectivity out of it and just base both games next to each other, I think Skate 3 is better. But that's my opinion. And also fact. Um, so yeah. Again, I'll pretend to hear that. Go on. Yep. Okay. Any, any thoughts from you guys on, on this one? You, you might get a go once it comes out. Well, I imagine you might do. Oh, I definitely will. Mm. But as I say, I just, I just want to see where this monetization train goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at the minute they're saying the right things, but in reality, is that what it's going to be? Yeah. When it comes down to it, are they going to be able to make enough money from that? And if not, are they going to start skirting the lines a bit and introducing other, introducing other things? Let's we'll see. I suppose we'll, uh, we'll find out, won't we? Any other news? Should we talk about PlayStation Stars? Yeah. Yeah, this came out of left field a bit, I think. I yeah. Never expected them to do something like this. So on uh, PlayStation Blog, they announced a, the launch of a new loyalty program called PlayStation Stars. And this is taken from that blog. It says PlayStation Stars will be free to join when it launches later this year. Once you become a member, you'll earn rewards by completing a variety of campaigns and activities. Our monthly checking campaign simply requires you to play any game to receive a reward, while other campaigns require you to win tournaments, earn specific trophies, or even be the first player to platinum a blockbuster title in your local time zone. There you go, Matt, your moment has arrived. Yes. Uh, all PlayStation Stars members will have opportunities to earn loyalty points. Points can be redeemed in a catalogue that may include PSA wallet funds and select PlayStation Store, PlayStation Store products. As an additional benefit, PlayStation Plus members enrolled in PlayStation Stars automatically earn points for purchases on PlayStation Store. Also, as part of PlayStation Stars, we are unveiling a new type of reward called Digital Collectibles. Collectibles are as diverse as our portfolio of products and franchises. They are digital representations of things that PlayStation fans enjoy, including figurines of beloved and iconic characters from games and other forms of entertainment, as well as cherished devices that tap into Sony's history of innovation. There will always be a new collectible to earn, an ultra-rare collectible to strive for, or something surprising to collect just for fun. What do we make of that, then? Well, just on that, they have subsequently come out and def- defined that it's definitely not going to be NFT-based. That's Yeah, when I first That's saw good. that digital collectible, I was like, mm, where are we going with this? Yeah, because they've said uh, digital. You, you can't trade or sell them, good. and it's not leveraging any blockchain technologies. And it's definitely not going to be NFT based. So good. That's I'm glad, that, I'm glad that's been sorted. clarified. Yeah, it's like three strikes. Perfect. But uh, there's no release date being given, but we do know it's going to be later this year, and it will be a phased regional rollout. So Europe last, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Japan, it Japan is. first, yeah. then the Americas, and then us. But no, actually, it's it's a nice little thing, I guess. Yeah. To be honest, I would have liked for him to do something similar to what Nintendo did a few years ago, because through that you could get like posters and figurines and things like that you got physically, which I think oh, were really yeah. nice. Yeah. For because yeah. every time you got a game, you got this little scratch out thing with a code, and it redeemed certain points, and then you could save them up and, and get physical items. But this is nice too, because if you get if you get 
like platinum trophies, and you can use that, them points to then trade against PlayStation credit to then maybe buy DLC packs and things if you wanted it for them games. So it's giving something with- back, which is nice. I want to get a lot of credits from that. I mean, we don't know whether it's retroactive or not, I don't think. It better be. (laughs) It's not going to be, is it? I don't think it will be. But my my free platinum from Spider-Man. My my amazing platinum from My Name is Mayo (laughs) 2. It's a jar of mayo in the post. (laughs) (laughs) I'd take it. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I'd be interested to see when it comes out, see what we can get. Um, the the digital collectibles seem pretty cool like a little collectible of the old play toy camera or something what I'd like to see is actually a virtual gallery of trophies that'd be nice Ooh, that'd be cool. they might do that actually because VR's coming out that'd be nice so you could like walk around to yeah, virtual we, art gallery yeah I just thought about it like because you stuff. know like on um, PlayStation 5 they start doing it now that we can get a trophy um, you can have like give like a screenshot of it or they'll, they'll record like like the last yeah. 10, 15 seconds of it. You could do that, couldn't you? Have like a virtual one, here's a trophy, here's the moment just before you got it and stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. Because I, I don't like the whole list thing. It's just a bit, if you're trying to find a specific one that you see, that you like platinum, I don't think the organisation of it is very good, but to be able to walk through like a, a virtual thing, mm-hmm. cool. Or maybe a room for every game. Yeah, it'd be cool if they had like a, just like a list of like, Here's your trophies, and then do them like in the order. Here's the platinum ones you've got. Here's all the gold, silver, bronze. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be good. But no, all in all, that's you know, that's a nice little thing, though, isn't it? But as you said mm. earlier, a bit left field. <laughs> we weren't expecting that one. Yeah, yeah. You're looking forward to that later in the year. Hmm. But shall we talk about um, games with gold? We heard about this news. Awesome as. so games with gold they sent out emails to members stating this so beginning october the 1st 2022 the monthly games provided to xbox game pass ultimate and xbox live gold members via games with gold will no longer include xbox 360 titles we have reached the limit of our ability to bring xbox 360 games to the catalogue However, Games with Gold will continue to include exciting Xbox One titles and exclusive savings each month. This will not impact any Xbox 360 games that you downloaded before October 2022, any Xbox 360 titles that you redeemed via Games with Gold before that time, or yours to keep on your Xbox, Xbox account, regardless of whether you continue your subscription. What do you think to that? I mean, generally, the games are crap anyway, so... True, I'm, but... I'm not overly bothered. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, there was some some little gems in there when they had like Fable Three. I remember when they put Fable Three in it. I thought it was pretty good. Every now and again, but the the quality is just nowhere near as good on and that you get with PlayStation, even the Essentials package. Yeah, but do you think things are going to get better though? When I say all you're going to get is Xbox One titles now. Yeah, maybe because I mean that's prob. It might be a good thing actually because you can tell. They're scraping the barrel with these 360 games, and this is why, because they've run out now. So they've given us everything they can. So it's probably a good thing that they're moving to pure Xbox One and beyond, because then now they can start offering better games, which I think they definitely need to do. 
Will very uh, how like how to... very optimistic of you. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't think they will. Now we're just, now you're just gonna get rubbish Xbox One games now instead yeah. of a rubbish Xbox 360. At least you could have put the the 360 games on a you know roll over basically to people who. Yeah, what about those that didn't get the first time around when they started introducing? Too late. Should have downloaded it then. And if you Should didn't have, have it, it, it's your own fault. Well, it's the same right, with... well, there we go. That's, that's, that's your opinion. Well, it's the same with PS Plus, though, isn't it? If you miss the games and don't add them to your library, you've not got them. True. I'd be angry if they did that as well. Because I've had a PS Plus <laughs> for over 10 years, and I've got a massive library, and that's one of the reasons why I keep it ticking over. Obviously, to play online, but to keep that library of games. But then you would... Apply that same logic for the Xbox, though. Like, if they kept on doing the 360, all right, you might not play it, but then then your library in case. Like, why why would they stop? For 360, you do get to keep them, even if you don't have gold anymore. Yeah. Then that's good. Why why are they stopping it? I'm sure they've not gone through that entire catalog 360 games. I, I doubt they've gone through the entire catalog, but it's what they can port over to the Xbox One, I think. It's not about porn, is it? It's just about emulation. If they can get it working through emulation. Yeah, but it's probably not worth them testing. Yeah, well, they've not done their entire library. I don't see Digimon there, so. <laughs> Where's my Digimon? <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do that. Uh, they've they've probably gone through what's all the games that they can be bothered to test. <laughs> Bring out all the obscure anime ones. <laughs> yeah, I'd be game for that. But yeah, anyway, I, th- I think it's going to be a good thing, actually, that they're making this change. Hopefully get some better calibre of game. Good luck with that. <laughs> Shall we move on to a bit of news over our friends at Rockstar? <sighs> which I can already tell is going to make Mark very excited once we start talking about them. <laughs> yeah. You're always giving this bad news, Matt. Can we can we get some good stuff out for him? Sorry. I had about a weekend, so I need to bring out the negativity. Um, so <laughs> I did. Um, I will start with because there is quite a few stuff. Um, so apparently, according to um, Rockstar Insider Tez Two, uh, it's taken from Mark from Bridge C again, who has apparently accurately um, leaked information about the company's games in the past. In the past, including GTA Online, I'm really bad with words today. Uh, <laughs> he's claimed on Twitter that um, two games that were in the works for remastering, um, which was Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption, uh, are no longer going forward. Um, so, sort of taken from, sort of direct from Tez2, he says, as per reliable source, we're clear. Accuracy on Rockstar plans, remasters of GTA 4 and RDR1, uh, the Redemption, were on the table a few years ago, but Rockstar chose not to proceed with the projects in mind. Uh, the poor reception of the trilogy DE, which was the Definitive Edition, um, might be the reason behind that decision. Just I think I would, I would, I would have looked forward to, the, to these two, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't see why. The trilogy, the back, the backlash on the trilogy would have had any effect on GTA 4 because that's it's a lot newer. So I imagine it would have been easier for him to remaster it. 
Same with Red Dead as well. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Uh, I suppose it depends, though. Like, if it was going to be the same studio, they they seem to have a not-so-great track record with uh, pouring GTA games. So, I'm a bit disappointed about that. Because well, I would love to have gone through Red Dead Redemption if they used, like, the RDR2 engine for it. I mean, the practical area from South there, they've already got, like, the model for um, James Marston. John. James? John. James was the son, wasn't it, I think? Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think it is, actually. I can't remember his name. Jack. Jack's Jack, kid. that was it. Jack, yeah. Jack Marston. Like, they pretty much got everything set up there, and then, you know, the engine... For the GTA 4 engine, GTA 5, it could be could be pretty good. What I wanted is just a 60 frame per second Red Dead 2. Red <laughs> No, seriously. Just put a PS5 upgrade so it's running 60 frames. Play on PC? No, because I've only presented <laughs> it on console, so I'm not doing that. Well, there, see, get on PC and 100% it again. <sighs> Too many games, Matt, to play. You don't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Moving on to um, some very sad news. Um, it seems as though uh, Red Dead Online is pretty much as dead as dead Red Dead as a dead thing in Deadland. Yeah. If I was to quote someone. So, was it last um, Wednesday? They, uh, they held a funeral, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. So there was, yeah. there was uh, Red Dead Online players that held a funeral for it. Um, because basically... All the focus for uh, Rockstar is now on Grand Theft Auto 6. So there will be no major... GTA uh, Online 2. Come on, let's get it right. Yep, sorry. GTA Online 2. We've born a single-player campaign. Um, <laughs> so uh, basically, they released an update on their website, Rockstar. Uh, and they said, over the past few years, we have been steadily moving more development resources towards the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series, understanding more than ever the need to exceed players' expectations and for this next entry to be the best it could possibly be. And as a result, we are in the process of making some changes to how we support Red Dead Online. Uh, not support. Or maybe not support. Uh, so just to continue reading the article from VGC, uh, according to Rockstar, Red Dead Online will enhance existing modes rather than adding any more new modes or other major updates. Uh, I think it continued from Rockstar's website. Uh, firstly, with both new and experienced players engaging in the wealth of activities already added to this massively rich world, including specialist roles, story-based cooperative missions, competitive showdown modes, and much more, we will continue to showcase these unique additions through Red Dead Online's monthly events as we move forward so players of all levels can enjoy everything the Bass Frontier has to offer. Alongside seasonal special events and experience improvements, plus other changes to enhance and maintain a healthy Red Dead Online environment, <laughs> uh, we plan to build upon existing modes and add new Telegram missions this year, rather than delivering major themed content updates like in previous years. And we will continue to highlight and share the creative efforts of our Red Dead community at every opportunity via the Newswire and beyond. Uh, and then they continue to say, uh, we thank you for your support. Um, we take your feedback on board and shove it down the toilet. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, basically... 
there's going to be nothing new for Red Dead Online at this point. Apparently, the, uh, the funerals they held, held on Wednesday, they devolved into like mass, mass shooter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah no, but no, but it's because like there's obviously some people who just want to play the game. Didn't want to get involved in all this stuff, and they were like, they'll just turn up to like you know like Valentine, the town that's in the oh, game. Oh yeah. And because the people were just like there mourning, and this guy was just like doing his own stuff. I think he was like taking a bounty into like the sheriff's office or something. And then like people just started attacking him. It's <laughs> awesome, all that. Why are you playing us. the game? It's like, it's like what? <laughs> Stupid attack. The red, I don't, I, the red, the, the Gestapo. Over yeah. There. Yeah. Just, game's dead, but we're just going to stop people actually playing the game. <laughs> I still think I had more fun actually playing uh, the original Red Dead uh, Redemptions online. I mean, at least he had Liars Dice, so, you know. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, that's, 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 just no, bring that, bring that in, that saves the game. Like, just, just bring Liars Dice, that's all I want. I'll give me Liars Dice and I'll be happy. Shame. But my, dr- think- my dream is over of having a robot horse with unlimited stamina. Flying horse. Flying unicorn. Um, yeah, jetpack unicorn. I wanted all the four horses of the apocalypse to return. Yeah. That was that was the best DLC I think of anything. Anything even GTA Rockstar. Do you think we'll ever see it? Not in this decade. Well, he has Yeah. I think I'll, I'll, I'll grow an effort. I don't think it'll be this decade. I don't know because like. What else do you do now? What else would you do with it? Well, it's supposed to be a franchise. Well, it is, too. They said, they said, <laughs> no, but they said that after the, the second game released. Ah, right. It's supposed to be a franchise. So I'm sure it's supposed to go on. Well, they've treated their franchise quite well, haven't they? Mm. Anyone get any more happier news? Uh, happy news? Not really. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay, shall we talk about um, Skull and Bones? Yeah. Oh yes, they had a they had an event recently, didn't they? They finally revealed it. Yeah. So again, you guys remember Skull and Bones, you know the, that that Ubisoft pirate game that seemed to be in development hell, and then I think was it first announced in 2017, I think it was, and then got delayed like what four times, something silly like that. Yeah. Because they didn't know what it wanted wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. So the game does exist. It's not disappeared. Wow. Uh, it's not just a figment of our imagination. Um, but yeah, Ubisoft, uh, they had a forward showcase to unveil what it was all about. Um, now you saw this, didn't you, Nate? Yeah. So it starts off with a, a cinematic about a guy that's down on his luck. Yeah. And is in the lower rungs of society. And from there, he gets on a ship and then eventually gets shipped back to an island. Yeah. yeah. And then it's about him kind of rebuilding his life as a pirate. But did you see the tagline? I love the tagline. It says, long live piracy. <laughs> it's like for a video game. How could you possibly have gone along with that tagline? Well, funnily enough, there was a, you know there was a catchphrase in there, and it said, will you live as pawns or die as pirates? And I'm like, in my own head, I'd, I'd rather live as a pawn, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, started off with um, a chat with two of the devs, didn't they? Giving some insight. So, yeah, as you said, you start to... As a survivor on a shipwreck, and you get washed up on shore at an unknown, exotic, and mysterious location. Um, and the game's set in the Indian Ocean. And you apparently come across vicious hippos and crocodiles, 
violent storms and pirate hunters, powerful corporations, and even mutiny of your very own crew. Yeah, that sounded interesting, the mutiny thing. Because you've got to keep your crew well fed and you ship in a good state of repair, otherwise they're going to turn on you. Yeah, so you start with a, a small ship called a Dow, and you have a basic spear to defend yourself. And apparently you've got to collect items in the world to do contracts for pirates you come across. And then this, they kept going on about this thing called infamy, didn't they? So yeah. you increase your infamy as you play mm. the game. And uh, so basically it's the game's progression system. And that can lead you to be able to craft new ships, weapons and armour. And then you like build your fleet, basically. And the weapons also unlocked as well. So you have cannons, Greek fire, explosive mortars. There's a few that were mentioned. But this was the most intriguing bit for me. It says everything can be played solo, but they geared it more as a, as a social game. Yeah. So you can opt into a PvP server and can fight other players. But you're not forced into that. That was the big thing for me. This whole... So this is the kind of thing that puts me off of um, Sea of Thieves, is that you're in this... You, you've got other players, haven't you? Who just yeah, come and just ruin yeah. your day? Essentially. Yeah, they can do. But you can't... Apparently in this, you can't, like, just attack each other in the open world. You have to go into, like, specific PvP servers, if you want. Okay. Uh, but apparently you start the game in a pirate den called St. Anne. And then, like, basically, this is where you... You know, you stock, you stock your ship with food, ammo, and get ready for expeditions, that kind of thing. Check the condition of your ship. Uh, but uh, it says if your ship is destroyed, you lose some progress and will uh, replenish and then you'll respawn at the nearest discovered den or outpost. Most of your cargo will be recovered, but you can go and retrieve the rest from the wreckage. However, other players can steal it from you first. Okay. So there were other activities that included uh, exploration, plundering, treasure hunts, investigations, dynamic events, and more. Uh, hunt animals as well, for skin and for meat. And then there's also got mining, because you've got to have mining and things now, haven't you? So you've got ore and wood, which can be, can be used to be refined and then used for crafting. Uh, you've got blueprints, bloop, blueprints, bloop, blueprints uh, to craft stronger ships. And then you've got your different ship types. So you've got your cargo ships. So these are slow, but they're good for transporting large volumes of loot. Navigation ships, which are faster, but less cargo space and a lower hate, uh, health. They've got lower health to them. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, and firepower ships. So these got like more gun ports on them. They can deal high damage, but they're more difficult to manoeuvre. Mm. But you've got a spyglass, so you discover trade routes, and your merchant ships, and then you basically can assess their cargo and their firepower, and then you decide whether you want to take them on or not. Um, now, what, obviously this is taking a lot of the mechanics from Black Flag. Yeah, yeah. Which brings back flashbacks, but <clears throat> anyway. Um, but you could board the ships, couldn't you, on that? and attack? Yeah, them on I thought yeah. that was quite interesting, because from what we saw, if you were to destroy a ship, obviously you get less cargo from it because it sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Yes. But you can board it to get more cargo, so there's a decision to be made. But there. you don't play that. You can't. It's just like a cutscene by the looks of it, and you board it, which is a bit. Oh ah, wait, so do you have to like almost kind of? You give it basically you give it to like paralyze it sort of thing, and then you yeah can... sort of yeah, and then you can jump on board. But I I wanted to play that 
No, it looked that, to that, me was, like... that was one of the best parts of Black Flag, being able to yeah. like board ships and then just have a fight with the Yeah. It, it, it just looks like it's a cutscene. And it's unless it's changed that, you know, there's still time. But I mean that could just be the cutscene opening so you get onto the boat and then you go maybe. from there. Maybe. It's could be. I just hope I just want to be able to like swing over and just land and take people on. Yeah. <laughs> They're running away from for the lives you just getting them in back. Uh, you can personalise your outfits, so you obviously your uh, ships and all that. Find outposts, trade with merchants and uh, smugglers, mm-hmm. attack forts and plunder settlements. But uh, the post-game content will be free updates. Good. But uh, apparently you can play up to three players. I think I think that's what it said as a as a crew. So that's good. The big thing for me was the whole PvP PvE thing. That was the big crux for me. It's like if that was like the key is am I gonna play this or am I not? Simple mm. as that. And thankfully it seems like the they've gone the route where you can effectively play other people if you want to. You can find them in the real world and then challenge them and go into these PvP servers. Or you can join as a group of three and play in PvE. So for me, I'm down for that. Yeah, I, I think it sounds really good. I I like the look sounds of it. Sounds good. We could at least use that as a training ground, and then when we're ready to take other players on in the future, yeah. rain terror down on everybody. You know what it did? So actually, I ended up not watching this event. I'm about to watch it once we've done the podcast. But the part with where you can join up to other people. So is that like all three people on one ship, or you've all got your own ship with crew that you you just sail the seas together, sort of thing? Don't know. Don't think that was really well, explained. From, from oh. what I heard, you can work together and like kind of put your loot and stuff together. So you pick somebody's ship to go on. So you can work together in that way. Oh, okay. That's the okay. way I saw it. Okay. I'll have to watch it and see, uh, see if it can work out. Cause I think it would be better if it was like the other two people become part of someone else's crew. They help you know, manage the boat and stuff. One interesting thing to know, though, is that they gave a release date of November the 8th, which is yeah, the, the day, day before, before God, God of War, War. <laughs> which is very interesting. This is just like February yeah, all over again with all the games coming out. Then you got like a couple of weeks earlier is Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> so it's Assassin's Creed again, isn't it? They release it in like the worst window ever <laughs> around something else that's just as big, if not bigger. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a very dodgy decision, that. But it's a very different game, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> well, they could feel confident. But no, I, I like that a lot more than I was originally expecting, because I was expecting just this PvP trash, really. Mm. But I would like to have known what, the, uh, what caused it to have so much hassle. Because this is kind of what I expected it to be anyway. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, no, I suppose it, it depends on in, in how they wanted to do it. Like, it would be more like Black Flag, where it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very you know, third person action. You control your ship quite well and stuff. Or do, do you do it? Do you lean more into like an MMO style? Um, mm. Where obviously everyone shares the world. It could be, you know, everyone well, against each other sort of thing. Well, it does look like everyone's still sharing the world. But as I say, you can't 
wreck people just out of the world. Yeah. I think you have to challenge people. Yeah, you've got to be in certain locations to do that. People can come in to your area, though, and try and help you with certain contracts you're working on. Because mm. I, I saw afterwards there was a bit of gameplay. Um, yeah, with, did a live stream, didn't with, Yeah, with a couple of people that had, was in the in, were in the Insider program that I've signed up for, by the way. So hopefully I'll get into that one. Oh, the Xbox we'll one. See. Um, it was PC. Oh, OK. I know Xbox have got their own, like, Insider stuff, so... Well, I signed up for the PC one anyway. I didn't know there was one for Xbox. So we'll see on that. But yeah, it did, it did look really good. Um, so they started out at like a, a, one of the port areas and you could see like pirates running past you and you went to go and see a, I think it was a blacksmith or something and they, they gave you a contract and then they had to go and take these uh, kind of forts down mm. uh, to get the loot. Uh, but I think another player stumbled across it and started helping him out. So... It looks really good, to be honest. And one thing I did um, notice is that they had a pet lemur on the boat. Yeah, I so, that, yeah. Is that going to be yeah. part of the customization? And get a oh, different, so. different animal? Yeah. There's going to be a parrot in there somewhere, aren't there? Oh, there's got to be. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this more than I thought, because I knew you were interested in it, Mark, and you mentioned it to us, and I thought, yeah, I'll give this a watch. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Whether it's going to get a purchase... At the same time as Ragnarok is another question, but yeah, it might might have to have a slide delay on that. But... Yeah, but uh, I'm still yeah. very tempted. Yeah, looking forward to giving it a go. Yeah. Shall we move on to um, well, uh, another event that happened over the last couple of weeks? Um, it was by a publisher I'm not too familiar with, but I think they've been started sort of by quite a few developers and stuff. Um, and there's is it Nacon? Could be, could be saying it wrong. Um, but they seem to have had an event showing off quite quite a few different games. Um, but there's two that originally sort of caught my eye that, that seemed quite interesting. Um, so one of them was uh, a new RoboCop game called RoboCop Rogue City. It's based in the original RoboCop universe. So they showed off a little bit of a gameplay and what you'll be doing. So obviously you'll be playing as the uh, iconic character, Robocop. You're going through certain certain parts of the city. Was it Detroit? I think it's saying, isn't it? Uh, you seem to be doing quite a bit, quite a bit of gang fighting and stuff. Uh, it looked to be in first person. And they had all like the almost kind of like the the, the tracking stuff that you, you got to see in the films as well. So like if you saw it from Robocop's point of view, it'd be like if you're doing like iron sights on the on the on the bad guys who so could shoot him with his uh, fully automatic pistol. It seems to yeah. never miss. It sounds pretty cool. I did like the sounds of the the guns and stuff. And they seem to end sort of show off um, the face of Robocop, and I think they confirmed that. Is Peter is it Peter Weller? Yes. The original actor uh, is reprising his role, so he's doing the voice and obviously the look, which is pretty cool. Um, it, it looked quite interesting actually. Um, graphically, it looks far better than I've seen anything Robocop <laughs> related. Let me just see what what you what you actually do over there, obviously playing Robocop. Like, what's what's going to be like story and stuff? Because there were parts as well where the um, Oh, it's the antagonistic robot that was 
create as an altar to Ed 209. That's like you, you do get to, into a bit of a fight with him as well at some point. Yeah. Or him, it, something. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. Interesting to see that. I think we got a release date. We're looking at June 2023. So we've got quite, quite a bit of distance to go, but so for what I've seen, looks interesting enough. Looks like it's got the style, style down pretty well. Um, that's one on my radar. One on the radar. I'm trying to think of any Robocop games I've played. I must have played something. I'm sure they were on Mega Drive, weren't they? There was the the Robocop versus Terminator one. I remember that one. I don't remember much about that. What kind of game? It was like a side-scrolling... I don't want to say platformer. In In a similar style to... I think anything that matched with. So like Contra, you play Contra. It's, it, it was sort of like that. I thought it was quite. That was a pretty cool game actually. Really, really hard. I, I got towards the end and then Arnold said no, so um, <laughs> weren't getting too far in that. But no, this this does look pretty interesting because um, uh, didn't they did they make a game based on the remake? I feel like I barely remember something was made. If there was, I don't remember it. I might have to look that up. I could be talking rubbish, as always. Um, but I feel like I remember seeing something like that. But no, this looked this look pretty good. Um, coming out on Switch as well, interestingly enough. Don't know how it'll run, but we'll see. Um, and then one other one uh, that we don't have too much information about but I already kind of liked the, the the feel of the trailer that they released. Is they're making a new Terminator game. Um, currently, I think it's just got like a project name of like Terminator Survival. It's gonna be like um, basically just a survival game set in the Terminator universe, specifically in the future timeline where everything's already gone to smithereens and. Terrible AIs and whatnot. But for some of the stuff that I've read about it, it's, uh, it seems to be, it's kind of like an original story. You play as a survivor, sort of right between Judgment Day and when the resistance sort of comes about. Um, and I think it's going to have stuff where like, you know, you'll be scavenging for parts, have to sort of, you know, survive against all the different AIs and terminators that come around. Um, but it, Piques my my interest quite quite nicely. So we'll wait for more on that one. Any other news? Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys hear about this? Um, let's well, I, I, it's not particularly nice, story, but so recently you may have heard of the tragic event that took place in Japan, where. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated at a speech he was giving. Yeah. Uh, and from that has come, quite frankly, the most bizarre and idiotic story I think I've seen in quite a while. Um, okay. So following this incident, there was a joke made on 4chan, because of course, oh, of course it's 4chan. It's 4chan. Um, and the joke identified who the assassin was. Ah. By attaching a series of photos of none other than game developer Hideo Kojima. Mm. 
unfortunately, a far-right French politician called Damien Lerieu uh, shared this on Twitter, not understanding it was a joke. And he posted photos of Kojima together with, with this sentence. It said, the far left kills. So in these photos, like Kojima's wearing a, uh, I think it was a Che Guevara shirt in yeah. one of them, and like a Russian... He's got like I a don't, Russian... Um... I don't know what they call them, hats. Yeah. But, uh, like, fluffy hats, things. Uh, but that wasn't the end of it. It was then picked up by a Greek TV station called uh, ANT1TV. I think it's Antenna Network, I think that's what it's called. Mm. Who ran with the story. With photos of Kojima being plastered all over the news, identifying him as the assassin. And then Damien Ryu eventually discovered his stupidity and tweeted an apology, saying, I naively took a joke for information. I didn't think people would make jokes about the assassination of a man, but I was wrong not to verify before sharing. My apologies to Hideo Kojima and to the fans of Metal Gear. Has he not been on the internet before? Barely anything is to be trusted. <laughs> Uh, but of course, there's been a response from Kojima Productions, who gave the following statement. Uh, Kojima Productions strongly condemns the spread of fake news and rumours that convey false information. We do not tolerate such libel and will consider taking legal action in some cases. Is it just? It's easy to laugh at this, but in the end, it's awful. I mean, it just goes to show how dangerous the internet can be with the spread of misinformation. Well, it just got to show that you just got to fact check everything. I mean, in this instance, we're lucky as we obviously know who Kojima is, right? But what if some random person's photo was on it instead? Yeah. You know, it's not a joke where someone's life could potentially just be ruined like that. Thing is, like that—that that could have been a hell of a lot worse. Like, so oh, yeah. someone sees that and takes it as real and decides to take some some actions and throw their own hands. Like, that's not going to be—that's not going to look. Yeah, I mean, the sheer lack of due diligence in regards to this along the way is, is alarming to say the least. Do you know? I recall there was a there was a game in two thousand and one, uh, where you know the story was kind of a lot about kind of you know misinformation about the internet and, and the spread of mm. stuff and uh, and how that how that could go yeah. pretty wrong I, in I, the I bad hands. As well. I can't. The name seems to. Um, what was it? Go past my head a little bit. Uh, I think it had a two in the title, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, Again with M, I think. Something like that. I think uh, Liberty, something of Liberty. I yeah. Sun, Sun, something to Yeah. Sun, yeah. Sun, Metal. Yeah, we'll just say it. Smell Gear Solid Yeah. Sun, Sun, so basically, how ironic, of, basically. Yeah, <laughs> the irony of it. Um, no, oh, that's that's just such a silly, stupid thing that's happened. Stupid. Do better, please. That's let's do better, that humans, please. Yeah, let's not have that again. Can we not? Okay, I'll I'll finish uh, I'll finish my part. Um, with just one of the news that also includes um, someone who's passed away, unfortunately. So the um. The creator of uh, the very popular card game, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, Kazuki Takahashi, at the age of 60. Um, apparently, according to reports, he was 
He was found in uh, snorkeling gear 300 meters off the coast of Nago in the Okinawa region. Not sure why. Um, apparently, firefighters arrived at the scene and tried to resuscitate him, but he was um, essentially declared dead. Obviously, there's very sad news. Um, people like myself grew up on Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, you know, watching watching the anime when I was <laughs> like 11, 12. Going to the card game, remember playing the card game with my cousins and uh, some friends at school. So, yeah, it's really shocking news. I don't, I don't know if he was still involved with um, with the series, sort of how it's kind of continued and involved and stuff. I think he had like a hand in it, but he, he kind of stopped um, really working on, on on the tile. But no, just really shocking and surprising news. So, I always have like my own memories of Yu-Gi-Oh. So. Yeah, I mean, even 60s, fairly young, and it's shocking. Yeah, no, 60s, still young. You feel as young as you feel, so, you know. And there was, there was a lot of um, messages from on uh, on Twitter and all sorts of social media about it, so. Cause like, even, like, the, the recent game that they released, I think it was Master Duel, suddenly, you know, co-on and everyone was playing it, and suddenly everyone was back into Yu-Gi-Oh, so. No, there is sad news. Shall we end with some good news? Some nice, yes. a nice, a nice yes. thing. Let's with a nice thing. So, do you guys remember the legend of Let Me Solo Her? Yes, yes, yes. The Elden Ring player. Yes. So, for for those unfamiliar, uh, Let Me Solo Her is an Elden Ring player who achieved infamy by helping other players to beat one of the game's most iconic and difficult bosses, Millennia. And they dressed only in underwear with a jar on their head. Uh, and they took on Millennia with uh, two katana swords, I think it was. And they were praised by many players who came across them. And they became so famous in the community that it even led to fan art and memes being created of them. Now, let me solo it, now it has reached the 1,000 kill mark for Millennia. Wow. And... As a congratulations, Bandai Namco have sent him an actual real sword as a gift. Oh, Jesus. nice! <laughs> <Just> so, <laughs> I thought so you'd be like, yeah, going to be like collectibles and like yeah. free stuff. No, here's a sword. <laughs> so it came in a fancy presentation box along with a carved wooden picture, uh, a, a, a scroll of the world map, and a note of congratulations. And engraved on the top of the sword, it says, uh, "Rise tarnished." But it turns out now, though, that Let Me Solo has actually now surpassed 2,000 kills. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> they have to send him a horse now. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, That's pretty cool. That's really cool. That's, they, stuff like that is, is always nice to hear that, like, um, developers or publishers, in this case, like, go out there, like, extra mile to celebrate their community and stuff. So it's always really cool when you hear these, these kind of stories and stuff like it's just yeah. nice nice news of, of the community coming together and celebrating yeah and the fact that you know developers slash publishers are recognising these sorts of things and just going along with it basically yeah really nice I think after 5,000 they should give him a jar just <laughs> yeah. give him a jar give, give him some uh, underwear 
don't know. <laughs> probably the not. Probably not. Yeah, just the underwear. <laughs> Signed by all the uh, developers. <laughs> and that's it for the news. Shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Oh, go on then. Uh, shall I start? Yeah, you kick us off, Mark, if you want. Okay. So, following on from the previous two games, my brother and I have now completed We Were Here Together. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So, as we've mentioned before, uh, these are co-op games where you have to communicate with each other to help solve a series of puzzles to basically escape from some place. What I liked about this one in particular is that on quite a few occasions... um, you're actually working together in the same area, aren't you? I mean, well, yeah. I probably should have guessed that from the title. But <laughs> um, but no, normally you're always like, like at the end of a radio, aren't you? Yeah, so they, like, you normally sort of kept apart from, from each of us. So. Yeah, so it was a nice bit of a change, you know, to be examining and solving things in the same place sometimes. Mm. Um, puzzles do seem quite a bit more extensive and challenging than the previous ones. Certainly. Yeah, really challenging this time around. Yeah, a lot more complicated. I mean, the one involving the bridge. Do you remember that one? The symbols oh. on a bridge. There's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> so basically, you've got a bridge and it's in sections that raise up and down. You've got like this this thing where you've got to slide. You've got to slide these symbols along this map thing. And you've got to connect them in a way that links the bridges to raise them. I don't know if it's, it's difficult to describe. Yeah. Is is it um? I don't know if it was in this one. I know there, there was one early on, and I think that game that had like a like a, a police system. You had like one, you had each side. There was like some. No, I, <laughs> I could be talking one. about a, a, a different. We were here. Well, there's one where the there's like the gates as well. Where you've got to there's like coloured gates, and you've got to keep flipping flipping switches, and you're both going in. Oh, was that in like the kind of ice cave? Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a yeah. It's nightmare. The, the, the bridge was after that, just after that. Uh, <sighs> oh no, yes, no, no. I I know what you're talking about now because it's um, it's almost saying like a night thing, isn't it? Where one one person's in a, in a in the room at the far end, and then someone else has to go along the bridge to yeah. mention the symbols and whatnot. Yeah, that yeah. that was quite difficult. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's that was led to a lot of trial error on that. But, there um, was, yeah. But there seems to be more plot in this than any of the previous games, I think. I mean, yeah, no, they really delve into like the the law of the the games and uh, what's what's actually been happening. Yeah, there's a thing about a weird jester thing and a ghost yeah. that pops up, and I don't think either me or my brother knew what on earth was going on, but that was <laughs> a thing that happened. Yeah, um, it's um, you you start to work out that the the jester is like the king's fool in the game. There's yeah, like a, you'll find there's like a king yeah. who st- stuff start have, uh, starts happening to like his family and whatnot. So he, I think he turns it to this ghost spirit to essentially try and fix everything. But I think that goes against what essentially the jester wanted for the king as well. There's like some sort of tug of war that starts happening. Right. Okay. Um, I do think it was my favourite of the three, though, that I've played. Mm. I think each, no, puzzle, good. each puzzle was a good length and just about the right amount of challenge, I thought. Good, good. Now, we'll probably move on to We Were Here Forever. That's the next one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the next one. But it's, it turns out it's not actually been released on console yet. 
think it's just PC ah. so far. So ah. we'll have to keep an eye out on that one. Mm. But uh, the only other game I've played is um, F122. Yeah. So this is the latest incarnation of the long-winning game series, obviously based on Formula One. Uh, still developed by Code Masters, but is now published by EA. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so the game starts you off by throwing you into this thing called F1 Life. And this is an attempt to make you, the player, feel like you're part of the glitz and glamour of being an F1 driver. So the first thing you do is you create a, obviously a driver avatar. Um, so using like preset models, which is just not fun. Um, but then you get to decorate a room of your house. So like you get to pick the wallpaper, the flooring, the furniture. And you are also uh-huh. given a supercar of your choice. So some of the man- manufacturers in the game have added a few of their supercars that are outside of F1. And the whole idea, apparently, of this is that other players can visit your house and you can show off your cars and trophies to them for some reason. I can't see why anyone would even bother to do that at all. I have zero interest in going to anybody else's house to have a look at their stuff. Um, yeah, because the stuff would just be similar to mine anyway, and I can win this stuff myself. I don't, I don't, I don't. They tried to shoehorn some social aspect into it, and I don't see the point of it. I mean, you can't even walk around your house. It's just like static shots of these rooms. It's pointless. And then, unsurprisingly, there is an in-game currency which you oh. can buy with real money to get furniture and clothing, etc. Now, here's a question for you. Using what you know about digital currency and Formula One, any guesses what the name of this in-game currency is? Just think of a possible pun you could make with F1 and cryptocurrency knowledge. What do you think it could be? F-Bucks? No, it's good, but not the one. It's, it's top punnage. I'll give you that. It's top punnage. Oh, no. Top punnage. Is it car edits or something like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been hilarious, though. Oh, God. I just um, yeah, go on. It's called Bitcoin. <laughs> I'd buy some just for name. It's great. So, anyway, there's all that rubbish. Uh, but the main focus for me on the game was the My Team mode. So, here you get to create a brand new F1 team. And you can take them to the grid. So you've got a choice of three options to begin with. So there's a, like an entry level team. So your team is expected to start out low and you work your way up. Mm. And then, of course, you've got your mid-range team. So your team's got some skills, but it's generally considered like middle of the pack. And then, of course, you've got title contender. So you've got um, you've got high skill range. You've got massive funds. And you can just go in and blitz it, basically. Mm. Uh, which is obviously what I did because I ain't got time to waste. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so first I had to make my driver again because it's separate from this F1 right. thing rubbish that I had to do earlier. Um, so I made my bloke, made him look identical to the one I just did, uh, and I called him Phil Throttle. <laughs> and the first thing you have to do is you have to get a main sponsor. So they give you like an initial cash injection, a weekly payout. And they give you like an objection for the seat, objective for the season. So it might be something like achieve five podium finishes over the course of the season, and you'll get rewarded if you complete it. Mm. And then you pick a uh, engine supplier for your car. So a number of manufacturers will offer you an engine, 
and it gives you like stats on the the power and the durability and they vary in price so the question is do you sacrifice durability for power or vice versa or do you just go with the cheap option and hope all goes well um, and finally you have to hire a second driver so in f1 each team has two drivers yeah and so obviously the first is you a second you have to hire someone else so you have to you have to pick a padawan to your jedi basically um and if both of you do well you uh, uh, get something called acclaim which is sort of team ranking level thing so it helps you earn more money from sponsors so it's in your interest to hire a good second driver i mean it would be easy to choose someone who's who's rubbish and just beat them because that's generally what you try and do in the f1 you want to you always want to beat your teammate but so my teammate is a French bloke called Theo Porcher. I have no idea if he's a real driver or not. I've never heard of him. Um, but then you get to the cool bit, which is designing the car. So I made uh, so the Joker Dolphin car is a shiny teal color with a glossy pink interior and uh, with its trim and a few dashes of orange to finish it off. And I'm telling you, lads, the Joking Dolphin F1 car is sexy AF. It's Sweet. I'll I show can't wait to see it. Yeah. That's sure. So between the uh, all the races, um, you are based at your team headquarters, where you can control the management of the team, and it's divided into like various departments. So four of these are in relation to the running of the car itself. So you've got aerodynamics, chassis, powertrain, and durability. Uh, and each of these can be invested in, like to provide upgrades for your car. Um, but there is an aspect of man management to it as well. So each of these departments has like a morale meter. So if you neglect a certain part of the, of the team, then they become unhappy. And if you end up setting them up on a task, that task is more prone to failure. And it could lead to problems on your car in a race. Um, outside of those four, there's also uh, the personnel department, which is about improving the skills of the workers and the drivers. So you can like improve the fitness center, which improves the fitness of your drivers, boost their stats, etc., and then like improve your pit, pit equipment so your pit crew work better. Um, and then finally, you've got the marketing department, so that's improving like sponsor relations and activities management. So these are these are things that can be done to improve the morale of the people in your team. Now, in terms of like game adjustments, in terms of difficulty and that kind of thing, there's a heck of a lot you can do. But I didn't really know what to expect, so I just started. I just set myself on casual game mode and just see how we go. Because new year. So there's 21. Uh, sorry, there's 22 races in the current F1 season, and the first one takes place in Bahrain. Now, for those unfamiliar with how Formula One works, each F1 event takes place over a weekend from Friday to Sunday, and you get three practice sessions, uh, then a qualifying session, and then finish, of course, with the race. And you get to take part in all of these. And a few of the, a few events now have a thing called a sprint race, but I've not, I've not come across that myself yet. Um, so you begin with your three practice sessions, and they last 30 minutes each. And these are mainly about just going out and learning the track. Mm. And to make it a bit more interesting, you have a set of three practice programs that you can take part in. So the idea is that you complete certain objectives over a series of laps, which allows your team to accumulate data that can help form a strategy for the race that you're about to do. So as an example, you might be asked uh, to complete a clean lap of the track uh, without going outside two meters of the racing line at any point. And if you do well with these objectives, 
then you get discounts on future car upgrades. So it's, it's useful to do them. Um, okay. What I found is that as I was going through these practice sessions, I did find myself getting braver with my driving. Like the first time you're flinging these cars around at speed and walls are just like enclosed, it's quite unnerving, especially mm. on street circuits. But there just come a point where you are sort of like preempting and making turns before you can see them. And that's quite rewarding and thrilling when you manage it. And it's it's like having a sixth sense because just, it's just like it becomes like standard. Memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like muscle memory and that kind of thing. Um, so the qualifying session is split into three stages. And these are to determine your place on the starting grid for the race. And so each stage you have to go out and try and set the fastest lap time. Right? So the slowest five drivers after the first stage are eliminated. And then all those drivers left go into another stage. Bottom five drop out of that one until you get to the, the third stage where you're racing for the final starting places. So the person with the fastest lap after the third stage is on pole position for the race. But for the purposes of my game, I decided to just make it like a one a one stage qualifying. So it's like everyone goes out in this one stage, fastest lap, there you go. Win. Mm-hmm. Um now <laughs> in my first go, I managed to face uh, I managed to finish qualifying in twenty first out of twenty two. So nice. it wasn't that great, but it wasn't last. So I beat someone. Well that's a victory, so yeah. So now we get to my first race. Now I now, actually, at the beginning of the race, I was expecting a feature of the game which I'd heard about, but it didn't happen. And I worked out afterwards it was it was because it was because I had it on the casual settings, but I'll come on to that in a bit. Um, so I sped off the line, right? And the first corner is a sharp one to the right. So I managed to pass something like five cars as I go down the straight towards this corner. Mm-hmm. And me being the agent of chaos that I am, I went down the inside, ended up cutting the corner. Uh, smacking into the side of a car that was turning and just got wedged there and then like six like five cars just like piled up behind and just we were all just basically just not moving just stuck there um but because on casual settings there was no like car damage or all like that which is uh, i wanted car damage um <laughs> but everyone's everyone's just sat there we just nobody was moving at all it's just like okay but um, the game does have the flashback feature so you know the rewind thing where oh, if you go yeah. back in time a few seconds and then correct your mistakes so i managed to end up getting around with no major issues um let's just say i flouted the rules a bit because of who i was on the casual setting oh so yeah so they clearly weren't being enforced the rules quite as much as they should have been so i was side swiping cars off the road ramming them from behind (laughs) on the corners you know how it is um so in the end, I ended up blitzing winning the race. Um, you'll be unsurprised to learn. And as much as fun that was, the victory did feel somewhat unsatisfactory. <laughs> um, it's it basically like the game just went, here, noob, have a victory. So I had a look at my settings afterwards, and I saw this casual playstyle. also has something called adaptive AI. So if you fall behind in a race, the cars in front will actually slow down to allow you to catch up. Wow. To make it more of a, a race, basically. Yeah. Which in theory is nice, you know, if you, you know, if you, if you're a little kid, you're playing the game, you know, you want to make it look like you're a bit competitive, aren't you? No. Um, yeah, we do, don't <laughs> we, Mark? Well, uh, I'm gone. I didn't know this. I didn't know this stuff was happening until I looked afterwards. <laughs> uh-huh. but, um, 
yeah so it's good for little kids and all that but when you're in your mid-30s it's kind of a bit of embarrassment really but yeah so i changed it to the the standard play style and this opens up a whole like new level of settings that i could do Hmm. um so in between those race weekends you also get something called pirelli hot lap events so pirelli is like the tire supply for f1 and in these you are driving one of the supercars that i spoke about earlier um and it's just like a short segment of the one of the racetracks so i did a speed trap event where you have to fly around a section of the lap and through a speed trap and basically you've got to achieve a certain speed over the, the line um but then i did another one which is about drifting so the more you drift in the supercar the more points you get and it was raining on this track right and i pressed the accelerator and my car just slid sideways instantly it didn't drive forward at all. I didn't know what was going on. I was expecting it was like I would speed off and then come to a corner and then slide. That's kind of what I expected. But no, no, no. Press accelerator, the car just went <laughs> like sideways. And then you have to basically, so I was just weaving constantly. <laughs> and it's so I look like a prized idiot. But it, was, it was all stupid. But I still achieved my goal because you, you have to achieve like a certain amount of points. And then I get on to my second race. So this took place in Saudi Arabia and I did all the practice session qualified, uh, qualified and somewhat respectable ninth this time. Yeah. Now, because I changed my settings, I now got <laughs> other features that I was hoping I'd get in my first race. So now you get to take part in something called the formation lap. So what the formation lap is, is basically it's what happens at the beginning of a race. So everybody goes on the starting grid. Uh, you do a slow lap following the car and it's basically to warm up the tires and the engine and the brakes and that kind of thing just to prepare for that yeah so you can you can do all that yourself so you can do your little weaves to home warm your tires up as you're going around and all that so that's you know it's, it's a nice little bit of realism to add to the game so then i got to my race so this time you head down the straight and there's a sharp left and i'm like so i head down the straight ram into the back of another car and i was issued a warning <laughs> because now we're getting to like proper rules being enforced here Ooh. rather than just ignoring my antics of previous race but they didn't issue me with any actual penalties i got three warnings no penalties so what? they clearly don't have the guts to punish me this, this now, is like fifa all over again yeah um, and then we had pit stops. So in pit stops now, they've added like a slight, uh, a little mini game where you come into the pits and you have to time a button prompt to pull into the pit pit box. And if you're slow or you're too early, then your pit crew can cause have, make, have mistakes and it slows them down and that kind of thing. Now in this particular race, I did make a catastrophic error because um, not with the oh. timing of going into the pit box, but getting into the pit lane itself. So now I didn't realise this, but once you enter the pit lane uh, at this track, there's a right, and then you have to there's there's like a right and then a left into the pit lane. And I just went ploughing straight into this pit lane, straight into the wall. Tire flew off, wrecked the vehicle. Um, and like the mechanics on the radio is like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And I'm like, no, pal, I've just is really balls it up, haven't I? <laughs> um, so yeah, I had to do my rewind, obviously, because I, I couldn't end the race there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I finished seventh, which is all right. 
I think I'm just going to, I think on a, like a race by race basis, I'm just going to tweak like the AI and all that until I find the, like the right balance mm. of a good race. But that's the exploits of the Joking Dolphin F1 team so far. A major crash yeah. causing havoc for a lot of other drivers, but I did achieve a victory. And then, uh, but no, I'm really enjoying it. And I love the car. I think the car's beautiful. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, just, I'll have to just show one you. question on it. Can you mm. do a 24 hour Le Mans? Uh, no. I don't think that's not an F1. Yeah, it's not F1. <laughs> but you can do four. So the race, the race length is. So you can do like four race lengths if you want. Like but 50, I've got. 60 laps. Yeah, because I, I can't remember what. So basically, F1 races are based on a, a length, a certain length. And that's obviously each course is different left lengths in it. So it, it determines how many laps is closest to this race length. But I've got all my sets like a third of the actual race. So my usual laps around 15, 16 laps for an actual race, which is a nice little, that's like 20, 25 minutes of a race. So it's a pretty good length. No, um, no, I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed it. But I'm, I don't understand that F1 life guff there. It's at the start, but it's a bit pointless. But the actual racing is good. And I want to see if we can become title champions. But my teammates, my teammates letting me down there. Is 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 seriously letting me down because I might be able to win the uh, drivers championship, but he's letting me down with the constructors championship. That's the thing. Oh no, we're not going to win that if he's if he's because the last race um, he went out early. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it boosts stats. Yes, I probably did. Or just hire someone better. Oh right, yeah. But yeah, that's what I have been playing. So go on, Matt. What you played? Myself, so I've not been playing too much this time around. Like I remember last podcast, I probably had too much that I played. Now I've kind of reverted back. Now I've not actually played that much. So um, there's two new games that I've been playing um, outside sort of the regular stuff, and then after that, I'm gonna go on to a bit of a section. I'm gonna call what I've been watching. But I'll let you know about that once I get there. So we'll start off first. So the first new game uh, that I've, I've given a bit of a go to uh, is Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt. Mm. So if you've never seen what this is or if you've never heard about it, it is a third-person barrel game set in the, uh, the, universe, the, the World of Darkness universe, as it's known. Um, so like there's a whole series of like uh, vampires, werewolves, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this one is a particular sense of the vampire side of it. So what you essentially do is you you create your sort of I suppose character. Uh, I think there's like six different um, subclasses of vampire, and each one have their own kind of abilities and, and what they do and stuff. So like some uh, the one that I created was very much more focused on about healing uh, and stuff. Um, but there's quite a few others. Some have like an invisibility power. Um, others gain more abilities through sort of um, blood sucking, as you would in a vam- as a, as a vampire. So each each game it depends on how you do it. But the the, the one the two that I played was essentially I did solos in it. So it's essentially around this kind of 
it's not a massive map. There's like a, it's kind of saying like a, almost kind of French, Italian city. There's a lot of like street, you know, down back alleys and whatnot and stuff. And then I think there's like a, a, a construction site quite close as well. So you can pick where you actually spawn. There's no like jumping down from a bow bus or from an airplane or whatever. You essentially just pick where you want to spawn in this map. And you'll be able to see uh, everyone else's where they're going to spawn. So you can see like which area is going to be most populated and and stuff. And as soon as you spawn, you start picking up different weapons. Um, you can um, freely climb up uh, buildings. You know, got a bit of a parkour system kind of going on. And then you essentially just go into normal kind of battle royale rules basically. Um, but there's, there's there's different stuff to it, like um, some vampires got like massive leaps that they can do. Um, there's NPC humans around that you can, uh, I suppose, s- grab them from behind and start buying the neck and getting the blood from them. But that boosts your um, certain abilities as well. So ones that I was doing was like boosting my melee power if I need if I was to use it's like a, a baseball bat or something like that. And then there's other stuff. There's like, a, I suppose, anti-vampire human unit as well of NPCs. They're like, if they get you in their sight, they just start firing at you as well. So you're going to be careful of those if you start fighting them. And um, I thought it was all right. I, I enjoyed what I was playing. There's definitely there's definitely certain strategies that favour solo than probably the strategy I was doing, which was just run around on top of rooftops and be the biggest target possible. They get one kill, which I was I was proud of. I managed to get no, one they kill. They strategy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I managed to get one kill before I got absolutely destroyed by a guy who was doing the invisibility cheat. Um, probably should report him for hacking, really. So, but no, I I was enjoying it. It's um it's not bad. It is free. It is free to play. So, I might give that another go at some point. Maybe maybe try some solos or somehow convince you two to get it just just to give it a go um probably not mark <laughs> so i've just got a question when you go into the game do you all start at like the same level and then you've got to like kind of drain the npcs to get your power up and then you go from there or does any pre-existing stuff you've done come into effect with your vampire no i don't think there is any pre-existing stuff from what i recall i think you can hmm. There were, there were level ups to each different class, but I didn't get far enough into know what that kind of meant, whether that was maybe you unlocked um, different abilities to use um, for that class, or maybe you could level up your current abilities. I wasn't too sure. But when everyone started, you're, everyone starts pretty much kind of weaponless, um, other than I think like a melee weapon. So you can like go around um, using this like vampire sense. You can sense where there's, there's um, areas of... Um, equipment to get around and then also um, any M- NPCs to sort of uh, drink blood from um, but you couldn't you couldn't use it for I don't think you can use it for other players like if, if they were f- b- through a wall you wouldn't be able to see them like if you if they were like jumping around going nuts though I'm pretty sure they're quite easy to see but that was, was interesting I do like the vampire masquerade kind of side of the world of darkness universe so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give that another go, I think, at some point. And then the only other new game that I've been playing that uh, became available through the PlayStation Plus for 
this month or was it last month? I can't remember. I think it's this month, isn't it? Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4. Ah, yes. It was. Uh, it's about time. So, if you somehow never played a Crash Bandicoot game, and how have you not at this point? We're essentially playing as the, the Bandicoot called Crash, uh, going through a 3D platforming level, basically. All levels, I should say. If you ever played Mario, this is quite familiar. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought I'd give this a go because, like I said, it was free with PlayStation Plus, and I love the previous three games. I know Nathan doesn't like the first one, so I should say a particular level. I, I like the first uh, one. I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> what I can say is, wow, is this difficult already? Like from the get-go, is I'm already frustrated with it. <laughs> How far in do you reckon you are? Right uh, I'm pretty sure I got to like the second or third level. It's the I think it's the second one after you get the mask. Yeah. The first mask. So in this game, there's like uh, I think there's four four different masks you can get once you get certain sections, and they each have a, a different an ability. So the the one that I've started with. It will phase through certain objects that are, I suppose, transparent. Like you can see in the level what they are, and if you press a button, they, they become solid, but then you might trigger other stuff to go transparent, so you'll end up falling through it. And I'm really struggling with that mechanic to the point where I remember, I'm pretty sure it's the second level with it, I got to the bonus level that you do for it, and I just, for the life of me, I, I don't know if it's just maybe it's my timing, or I'm just, I'm just not getting it down for some reason, and I'm getting really frustrated with it. To the point where I'm like, I should probably skip this bonus level until I'm actually familiar with the mechanic, probably. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those where uh, these kind of games like Spyro, Mario, even like Sonic to a certain extent, you have these levels where you got click stuff, and, the, and you can get bonus stuff out of it. I want to do that all in like my first run through if I can somehow. Like, I need to get all the boxes, I need to get all the gems, and I can see that I'm just and, until I get this mechanic down, I'm just it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I was gonna say you could always go back to it. That's that's what I think I'm gonna have to do. Like I'm very thankful that um, they've changed the mode now, so you don't have to be reliant on levels. Because I'm pretty sure I lost like ten levels just that bonus level. But no, I'm, I do like the the initial story of this, where it, it does seem like Cortex is taking a bit of a backseat to end trophy. But no, I like that he, he seems to kind of be the, the more focal point about um, the bad guys this time around. No, I, I'll, I'll get I'll get through it at some point. I'm gonna have to force myself to just accept that I can't get everything and just just play the game like normal people. And you're supposed to be the one that's good at games. So I'm not touching this game. It's probably for the best. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's what I've played. And then what I've been watching, which came out on Thursday, if I recall, on Netflix, is the new Resident Evil live-action series. So I'm sure if... If anyone's ever heard this podcast, I've probably spoken about Resident Evil at some point. And Never. Insane. 
say how much I uh, I really enjoy the series. Perhaps less on anything that they make live action wise. Um, they seem to have a more of a mixed bag uh, when it when it comes to making anything live action. Um, but this is the this is the new series, so I thought I'd give it a go. Um, so so far the story is central around Jade and Billy Wesker, who appear as the doors of the series' infamous antagonist, Albert Wesker. Um, I forget who's, who was played by in this one. He was, was a famous actor. He, he seems to be really... He, he does some really good stuff in, in previous roles that he's been in. Um, and they've pretty much come to live in what is known as New Reconcy, which essentially just seems to be Let's make a city in the Mirror's Edge series because everything is so white. <laughs> like everything, cars, buildings, everyone seems to be wearing white as well. I don't know why. So they've essentially been brought over by their dad and sort of living this new life in New Reckon Sea. But that's only kind of one half of the story. It seems to be kind of Explain two. So you got one one half in New Reconcy that's set in the year 2022, and then there's another half of the series that's kind of, I suppose, a, the the flash forward or present day. It doesn't seem to make sense, which is, I suppose, the future won't be present day. Um, so that one's been set in 2036, so about 14 years after the incident, as they, as they want to call it. And in the future timeline, we are following Jada, who is randomly in London for some reason. And she's essentially uh, essentially studying the the the, inst- uh, the the outbreaks that's kind of happened during like a post-apocalyptic at this point. And she's just studying the zombies, who are known as zeros for some reason um, in this series. So she kind of does that. Uh, something something happens. Um, she starts getting attacked by what I think is like the the series take on what's called a grave digger, which is essentially just a T virus mutated worm of some sorts. And then that happens, and then suddenly she gets taken by a group um, who know who knows that she's got some sort of kind of tow thing on her arm. She's known as a survivor. And then shenanigans start happening and stuff. So, so far I've watched the first two episodes. And so far I think it's it's okay. It's it's an original story. Um, for all I've read about it, it takes the games low from the first five games and kind of then takes its own kind of spin on them. But so far it's, it's all right. Um... You know, there's a lot of teenage typical drama that happens in the in the I suppose our day of 2022. Um, some some choice dialogue that's a bit not sure it's aimed for. Like meant to be kind of comedy, like Pornhub gets mentioned. Okay. Randomly. Uh, and apparently in their timeline, COVID happened as well. So. And apparently he's already uh, gone. I don't, I, I don't know how. So. Well, it's been surpassed by something a bit, a bit more dangerous, I think. Well, I mean, something more dangerous happened prior to that, but then now we, we've got this. Um, 
I'm I'm quite intrigued over the the Albert Wesker character because if you I won't spoil too much, but if you know the law, then you want to kind of really know what's what's happening with him. So I'd like to see more of that. I don't know. The future timeline is a little confusing at this point, just because it's it's stuff's happening. You're not sure why, like what's what's going on and stuff. Um, but I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch more uh, at some point, probably after after this recording. <laughs> And uh, find out what's going on. I will say the character, um, character, the monster designs are pretty good because so far we've had well, the zom- we've always got the zombies. They're typical zombies um, that can sprint. Um, we've had one, one of the Cerberus dogs who's looked pretty cool actually. I really like the design of all of it. Um, probably better than than what the live action film that recently came out did. Design seems to be a lot better in, in this series than the film, which is a bit disappointing for the film. Um, and then obviously we've had the Grave Digger, who's looked pretty cool as well. Realised that they get like a close up of it um, on top of Jada at one point, and uh, it looked really cool. So yeah, can't wait to watch more, and then obviously not want to watch any of the Spider parts. So, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. What about yourself, Nathan? Just got to say, when you talk about Jada, I just think about Will Smith's wife being in Resident Evil. That's all. Anyway, yeah. Could that better? Or Barbie <laughs> playing. No, that's staying in. That's... Well, so, how have you been playing? <laughs> well, I've been playing, yeah. Right, I'll start off with a boring, the most boring thing you could ever think of. It's a game, but it's not a game. So, oh, okay. it's something for the original DS. Now, you might know that you didn't have internet connectivity on the original DS and DS Lite, but they did come out with an expansion that would allow you to use the internet. Um, So they used to sell this for £30, because basically the original DS didn't have enough RAM to go on the internet. So basically you had two things. You had an expansion card that went into the Game Boy slot, and then a DS card that allowed you access to the internet. So I thought, for 99p, I'll give it a go. Now, this was absolutely horrible to get set up, because I thought, okay, I'll just search for my Wi-Fi and connect to the network, and it'll all be all right, and I'll have a look at what it used to be like to look at websites back in 2006. Uh, No such luck. I had to do a manual setup, find my IP address, and a load of other information that I've never needed in my life. So the setup took about 20 minutes <laughs> to get onto the internet. Um, and what can I say about this? Do you remember using computers back in the year 2000 and how horrible the web pages used to look? Yeah. Well, if you if you ever want to see that in 2022, this is the best way <laughs> because everything just looks text-based. It doesn't load HTML properly. So not hardly any of the pictures load. Not many of the websites actually work, so you get errors and you have to go back. And the connect the connection is not that good either, so you keep dropping out. It's not good at all. I don't know why I spent 99p on this, and I feel cheated. But anyway, it was it was an experience. I'll I'll give it that. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll take some um, screenshots and send you our horrible some websites look. So if you've got any suggestions, if you want to look at how the website looks on the DS, let me know. 
and I'll I'll check for One you. question though. Mm. Does it do away with the stupid oh you want to accept these cookies? Crap that comes out on every I single web page you ever go are. on. Yeah, I would just say funnily enough, I never saw any cookie notifications because it probably can't load them. So Good. this could be the future of internet. Exactly. Are there any of the websites work, but at least you don't get cookie notifications. So there's that. Because they're the most infuriating things about using the internet nowadays. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so. Right, that's the uh, Nintendo yeah, browser a, for DS. I need a DS as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next game I played. So I don't know why, but last weekend I decided to um, get my PSP out and just have a look through all the files that I had from when I were a kid. I think I was a kid. Yeah, 13, 14 years old. That's a kid, isn't it? Yes. Teenager. Teenager. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I thought, yeah, let's let's have a look. I had some absolutely terrifying images on that PSP, which I'm not going to get into. Also, the music was pretty bad, but I've got pretty bad music taste now. So, yeah, that was fairly nostalgic, just listening to a bit of that. But after that, I decided to actually play a game and I played Virtual Tennis World Tour. Um, so I bought this recently because I decided to pad out my virtual tennis collection as you do so in this game so far i've played a tournament which i ended up going out in the semi-final so me and venus williams didn't do very well there but she did make over a million dollars so hey ho that's that was good um so there's a few different options in this in this game so you can do an exhibition match so just one-on-one uh, with one of the computer players you can do tournaments and um, you can do the world tour which is on most of the well all of the other virtual tennis games where you start with your tennis player you've got to level up and eventually if you do well enough become the world number one there's a set of mini games in a section called ball games that made me laugh but anyway um so in there there's mini games um it's like what how can i um explain this one it's like buster blocks so basically blocks appear on the other side of the court and you've got to try and smash them with the ball and uh, that's the only mini game i've played but there are a few others that i'm gonna gonna give a try when i can but yeah i mean to be honest when i saw psp virtual tennis game i thought this is going to be absolutely rubbish but the the mechanics are there it's it, it's pretty good it's fun to play um sometimes you do feel cheated because the movement can sometimes be a bit off on your player or is that just me not moving properly probably but um, but yeah, so far I'm having fun with that, and um, I'm gonna continue my journey to become the world number one tennis player. And it made me have a bit of an existential crisis and realise that I'm in the wrong profession and that I probably need to start playing tennis to rake some money in. But is 32 old to learn a new sport? Probably, but we'll see. So the next game that I've been playing is Pokemon Emerald. So I bought this and I thought I'll just put it in and give it a try and it came up with that new game message because they'd already wiped the game save so I thought oh I'll make sure it works and saves and then I I went down the rabbit hole and ended up spending about eight hours on it like like you do I thought I'll just pick a Pokemon and then at that point once I set my player up given him a name got my first Pokemon I was then emotionally invested so I, I had to continue at that stage so I picked Trico as my first Pokemon. I don't know why, but I always tend to pick the grass Pokemon starter because when you 
when you first start a Pokemon game, you can have one of three starter Pokemon. Um, and you want to fight a fire type, which I'd say most people probably go for. Then there's also a grass type and a water type. And they and they're playing to like a rock, paper, scissors. So obviously fire gets beaten by water, water gets beaten by grass. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, and then grass yeah. gets beaten by fire. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So that's kind of like the, the typings within the game. There's obviously more, but that's kind of it, it's in its simplest form, just to give you like an introduction to the way that typings work on the game. So um, I've been going through and I beat my first two gym leaders. So I beat Roxanne. Um, she's the rock gym leader. So because I picked my grass type, I was pretty much okay with her. Sweeped all the team. That was great. I beat the next gym leader called Brawly. Not Brawly from Dragon Ball Z, but Brawly. Don't shake your head, Matt. And they had fighting types, but by the time I faced them, I already had a, a Swallow. Um, so that's a, a flying type Pokemon. So that did really well against the fighting types, which was good. Um, but now I'm on, I've got to a point where I've got my bike, so I can move around quickly now because... If anyone's tried walking in a Pokemon game, it's absolutely mind-numbing. So I'm there, I've got my bike, I'm biking around. I've got to a new a new city called Morville City, where the third gym leader is. Um, so the third gym leader is called Watson, and he is an electric gym leader. And I must have tried fighting him about 15 or 20 times, and he, he, he kicks the crap out of me each time. I've, I've only got down to his last Pokemon probably three times out of the times that I've tried. And I'd, I'm just so stuck. I'm at the point now where I'm trying to grind and, and get my levels up. But I think I'm, I should be okay in terms of level because his Pokemon are between level 20 and 24 is the strongest. Now I've got like level 27s. I think I should be able to do this. It's so annoying. So my team right now, just so you know. So I've got a, a Grovile now. Um, because my Trico evolved. I've got a, a Swallow and I've got an Aaron because I thought, right, let's get like a, a rock type in there. But the rock move it's got is absolutely pathetic. So I need to I need to try and catch something and level it up or I need to try and evolve my Aaron, I think. But I can't do that until level 32. So I'm a little bit stuck. So I don't know what to do right now. Have you got any suggestions, Matt, about what I can try and catch? Do you remember the Hoenn region that that well? Not too much. I'm trying to see if I can remember it from um, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, because I never played Emerald. Um, yeah. Well, actually, there is, there is a cave, if I if I go back a bit, that's got some Geodudes in it. So what I might end up doing is catching a Geodude, I'll evolve it into a Graveler, and then use that. Okay. Who's then? We say who's the gym leader again? What does he use? Uh, so it, they use electric types. Hmm. So it's Watson. So he starts out with a Voltorb. Then he's hmm. got an Electric. Then Magneton. Manectric. So yeah. That's that's the evolved form of Electric. But yeah, that's where I am at the minute. Hopefully by the time we record the next podcast, I'll have got past him. But, you want to go free Pokemon? Uh, 
Yeah, to be honest, what I normally do is build my team slowly, but that's generally going to be my team for the rest of the game. That's what I like to do. Because I feel if I get like another Pokemon to level it up, it's a waste of time if I'm just going to put put it in the box. Fair enough. Box. Fair enough. You don't subscribe to the uh, Gotta Catch Em All? Then. No, no. It's not Gotta Catch Em All. It's Gotta Catch What You Need to Get to get the job done to get to be the Pokemon champion. Well, stay stuck then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know if I give in and decide to get get a uh, Geodude, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's that's all I've been playing. Okay, so we move on to a question. Question. E. Question. All right, question is, if you could choose any game to remaster or remake, maybe, what would it be? You want to start us off, Matt? I'm intrigued. Ooh. You want me to start? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there's there's quite a few on this one actually. Uh, in my head, I thought it would be pretty cool to uh, sort of bring back. Um, but there's one there was one game series in particular um, that I thought would be. I would like to see sort of some some form of comeback to it because I I really enjoyed the these set of games. I don't know if I'll if I necessarily want the second one. I'd, I'd probably sort of do the first one. I think, um, but you could do either or really. I, I suppose it wouldn't matter too much. Um, so my my choice, just based on fun and the amount of destruction that you could do within these set of games, was the mercenaries. <laughs> and Mark is doing a very happy, lovely jig because I think. We both shared the same idea. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like. So yeah, these games were just absolutely joy to play on. Um, I think I got mine on Xbox. I think. Yeah, I had the PS2 version. Yeah. Um, but just just the amount of fun that uh, that they could have, and just the amount of almost free choice, kind of do what you want, how you wanted to take out your targets. Um, yeah, so f- should we just go through what actually the game is? So well, yeah, it can do. So this is like set in an alternate version of like North Korea, isn't it? That's where you play. Yeah. And I think there's has there been a military coup? I think, and it's something like a, di- a, a leader's the leader's sons killed him and taken over the country, and he's become mm. dictator basically. And then you're sent in as like one of these three mercenaries, aren't you? Yeah, so you could choose one of three. Yeah. Um, so you've got Chris, who's a US Delta Force operator. Mm. Uh, Jennifer, a Chinese British former MI6 agent, and probably the best is Matthias. Oh who's yeah. A, he's like a Swedish naval artillery officer, yeah. and he just likes chaos. Absolutely. But yeah, they, they get sent to this war zone, don't they? And basically, you've got to try and prevent a nuclear war when we're up to. Mm. I think that's the general gist of it. Something like that, yeah. And then I. I can't recall if, if both games do it, because I know at least the second one, but you're, you're essentially given a list of targets that start out of like a, like a like a pack of cards, in effect, wasn't it? Yeah, the deck of 52. Yeah. So you, you would sort of... I don't think the, the, uh, the, the kings were... You could start off going for... I think you had to start off kind of 
lower in the pack. But you, yeah, you have to it start wasn't with like numbers. you start off with like yeah. two, three, four, five. You you could go like right, I'm gonna take out eight and then I'm gonna do three. Yeah. yeah. But you you have to do so many until then you unlock like the the I suppose the the higher decks of it. So I think was it was it the Jack Queen and Kings? They they unlocked once you did them all. Yeah, because there's because you got different factions in the game, haven't you? So you had um. Yes. So you got the Allied Nations, you've got South Korea, uh, the Russian Mafia, and China. And you mm. can, like, work with them if you want. But you can also, like, cause them a lot of grief, and then they will turn just, against you. Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Um, so, and then well, you you could you could come at these targets pretty much however you wanted, really. Um, yeah. So I think each of those factions offered you the jack queen king so if you reached a certain level with each other they gave you mm. them and then obviously after that you got to the ace yeah it was like the top dog sure was oh. just just all the uh, the mechanics were good and i think for the most part they were solid you know the driving around the the map yeah it's that was bit. fun um gunplay really solid uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, you got various vehicles to also add to that destruction. Um, you know, the tanks. Uh, I, I don't know if they were in the first game, but I know the second game, you could do stuff with the helicopters and the, the jets, I think, as well. I can't quite remember. But what was great about it is it's just the sheer emphasis it was on destruct- destructible environments, weren't it? Which at the time was not really a big thing. No, no. I think probably the closest you could probably get to was something like maybe black. In like the sense of the destruction and like yeah. the technology that was available at the time. Um, but no, the being able to like level say blocks was was amazing. Like yeah, just but, seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah, was it, was it called the Bunk Buster? Is that what the I think it was? Called? That was like just, that, that was, it could just uh, level a massive building at once. Yeah, I think you used that towards. I know it might have been the last mission you had to use it because you had to get to one of the. Like, I think once you finished the aces, then you got to, like, uh, there was, like, the general main bad guy, basically. I think he got into a bunker where you had to essentially open it up to get to it. And that's where you could use it then. Yeah. Oh, but the destruction was just, like, nothing else did it on that kind of scale. It's like with today's technology, it's like we can have more buildings, more destructive graphics, more explosions, yeah, more fun blowing crap up, you know. Well, that's it. Let's, no, let's just, do it. Just, just take what you know, Crackdown Three did with that cloud technology, and just, just throw mercenaries in it, and just see what, see what you come up with. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Love that game. Used mm. to come back. That was PS2 era, wasn't it? So imagine what they could do uh, there. Wasn't it as well? I, I don't know if the first one game was, but the second one had Cobb, didn't it? Uh, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really remember much about the second one. That, that was on PS3, I know that. Yeah, so it was Mercenaries Playground of Destruction, which was the first one, and then the second one was Mercenaries 2 World in Flames. Yeah. Apparently the first game was also banned in South Korea. In South Korea? Yeah. Because for uh, depicting war and it's region they were oh, still okay. at the time they were still fighting basically with uh oh yeah of Korea. Makes sense, apparently got, then the bang got lifted in 2007 
No, but just bring bring it back. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Great minds think alike. That was my choice as well. Go on, go on then, Nathan. <laughs> well, mine was also Mesner's. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever played it, actually? No, I've, I've not had the pleasure. When when you guys talk about it, it does sound really good. Yeah. Which version would you say I should get? Because I think it's out for the 316 PS3, so would you get the PS2 one, or do you reckon I'm worth getting getting it on the latest console I can? Or does it not matter? Uh, I don't think it would matter too much, I think. Is it on Game Pass? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Who knows? might have to find that. Hey, it might have been one of them 360 games on Xbox Live Gold at one point. You never know. If you want a game where you can just blow everything up, it's for you, mate. Yeah. That sounds good. Oh, the uh, so the, the second game had online co-op, but not local. So that's probably why I thought. Cool. So my pick, this was an horrible one to try and pick, because I think to myself, if I had a game that I could pick to help the gaming world in general, I've got help that the pick. the gaming world? Yeah, okay. one that's like universally loved. Okay. okay. It, it'd obviously be Simpsons Hit and Run. Everybody wants that. <laughs> but for me, being selfish. <laughs> selfish. The real nice shine. The, the, yep. the real nice <laughs> yeah. So I would pick Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone on PS1. Yeah. Because okay. I, I, I loved the early Harry Potter games. The graphics were terrible. The controls were terrible. But being able to go around Hogwarts as a child and learn spells and do classes and and like communicate with the other characters there was absolutely fantastic. And I think definitely the Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, they need kind of remaking, if not all of them, in present day standards. Okay, but isn't Hogwarts Legacy going to scratch that itch? No, because it, do you think it needs to be more specific? It needs to be more specific to kind of match the films for me, right? Because that's going to be pre anything that we know, isn't it? Legacies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it will be cool to see because I've seen some of the gameplay of that and. The combat looks absolutely fantastic. Just been absolutely decimate your opponent. But I think for, to fully scratch my Harry Potterish, this is what they need to do. They need to work on these games and get them all. Well, keep the graphics of Hagrid. That's what. Obviously, got to keep. <laughs> Can't change those. Actually, no. That'll be the DLC. Hagrid will be up upscale, but you can download OG Hagrid. God, he did look terrible, didn't he? Oh, I did. Um, I did like the um, Quidditch in that. It was uh, that was quite cool. But they did. No, that's not going to be in Hogwarts Legacy, so no, that's the reason no. for remaking that. I say you could could add that in. But they, they they also added that as like a separate game later on, didn't they? They had like a Quidditch Quidditch World Cup game. Um, that was on the GameCube on PS2, I think. Um, but yeah, that one. I, I had a few games that I wanted to to talk about, so we could probably just put lump them into an honourable mentions. Yeah, fine. Well, let's get let's yeah. get into. Right next, remake the OG Dead Rising. I know it's fairly new anyway, but I want more graphics when I slash the zombies 
in the mall. I want more graphics. I want guts to come out and everything. Mm-hmm. Love that. Now, not shockingly to everybody, this is a game that I didn't complete. But I think if they redid it and sorted out the controls a bit more and the camera angles, then I'd probably be able to do this one. You're, you're going to like this, Matt. Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. They did re-release it as a pack for the 360, but it was basically a port of the original game and it had all the original problems. So I think they need to do that. If they want to scrap Sonic Frontiers or whatever it is they're working on, they can do that and work on this. Oh, can't, don't, don't be like that. I'm being like that. <laughs> so yeah, that would be a good one as well. Because I must have tried to complete it about eight times. Failed each of them. <laughs> What about you guys? Any honourable mentions? Uh, GTA 5. <laughs> I had that in my list. For, like <laughs> I was had to think for a second. That was like, wait a joke. minute. What? <laughs> <Clear> joke. <laughs> Just saying that for I actually laughed earlier, Matt, because uh, you mentioned another one of mine, which is Black. I was thinking about that one as well. Ah, right. So that was a... Yeah, basically a first-person shooter, which, had, again, was a lot of it was based around destructible environments, wasn't it? It was a really yeah. cool game. No, just, really cool, really cool. I enjoyed it. I think they put a lot of they put a lot of work into like it was one of the, like the earliest shooter games I think where they put a real um, emphasis on like the guns, like they they were like very realistic and that kind of thing. And, mm. But now, but again, very underrated game that I thought. I think there was a, like a spiritual successor to it as well, but a couple of years later, but never played it. But no, mm. I'd love to have that game come back. But the only obvious one I've got to say, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 or 4. <laughs> yeah. Activision, pull your finger out. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Do it. I think there, there was two that jumped out in my mind that uh, I would have had alongside Mercenaries. Probably, uh, probably the Burnout series. I'd like to see Burnout come mm. back. Do you think... Um, that kind of game is is missing nowadays. Just full on kind of arcade racer uh, where your aim is to just trash the rest. That's yeah. about actually coming first and more about ramming your opponent into the uh, into an oncoming car. I think that I'd like to see that series return. Um, the only other one that I'd, I'd like to see and probably more remade into maybe like a proper like a third 3D style type is um, Symphony of the Night. I feel like it's full title, it's Castlevania. Um, just because I, I absolutely adore that game. I actually I can't believe I forgot it on one of the questions we did a while back, the sort of what's a game that you you come back to regularly. Like this this is easy, a game that I come back to every year, just just give it another go, like new stuff that I've not found or whatnot. But I'd love to see a proper... I'd just like to see Castlevania come back, if I'm honest. It's been years since a proper Castlevania game. Just, you know, the live, ac- live action, the animation series, no live action, uh, on Netflix, I absolutely adore. I think it's brilliant. And would love if they just maybe did that kind of style in, um, in just some sort of game, really. I think that would be pretty cool. So, And then, of course, Skyrim. Yeah, if we're still awaiting that Smart Fridge version, are we? Yep, need that. Coming soon. I mean, we joke, 
But I think we still will get another one. I know, one, it, it will happen. <laughs> we will get another one. I'm telling you, Todd Howard. He's twiddling his thumbs, thinking about the new version. Well, there you have it. That's our games that we would like to see remastered. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weeklies on Tuesdays. Uh, you can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the Hall of Fame. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Ta-ra.